seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome in for mile 132 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Travis here, joined by Phil. Phil, how we doing? Oh, it's good to be here, Travis. It's great to have you, buddy. Until minutes ago, we thought we would be reuniting old friends. That's right. Oh, Cosmo stood us up. But Cosmo, I miss you, Cosmo. Yeah, he was planning to join us. Got uh, some training to do for a Chicago recap <laughs> a segment. However, he has responsibilities at home. So instead, how about I read? I wrote down a quote from Phil Gregory. Uh, I I don't have the timestamp on this, but this was sometime circa an hour ago. When I told you that Cosmo had responsibilities at home and could not make it to the recording studio, (laughs) you said, I'm quoting, good, comma, I don't care about his race anyway, (laughs) end quote. And my first thought then were of some of the great but dysfunctional three-man relationships of the past that we most closely mirror. Well, okay, so I came up with these two. You might have better examples, but my my first thought was the second Roman triumvirate. That was Mark Antony, Octavian, Lepidus. I would take his role, the last, as the most forgotten of the three, (laughs) essentially thrown to the side. I would agree with that. Thank you. Cosmo is clearly Mark Antony. All right. I would agree with that. Passionate, heartthrob, got the whole Cleopatra thing oh, working that there. Voice. Yeah. Oh, man. And then you would be the insanely power hungry, totally untrustworthy Octavian. That's okay? also fair. So I had that from ancient times. Okay. And then I brought it more recently to uh, about, oh, gosh, it's been about five years ago now in this. Three years ago, maybe when this group separated, that would be the big three of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ooh, okay, Cosmo as Kevin Love. Okay, handsome, strong, throws a mean outlet pass. I'll take LeBron as the playmaker, kind of guiding Everything this entire runs show. You. That's right. fair. And I see you as the incredibly talented yet eccentric, <laughs> borderline insane, enigmatic. Disturbingly enigmatic. World is flat Kyrie Irving. That would be you, Phil. No Cosmo tonight. He wanted to give a a brief wrap-up on uh, Chicago and a great experience he had there. I hope everyone who raced Chicago enjoyed just a perfect day oh, he had a great day for there. racing my he question had a for him good too. return we need to have him back because i really want to no, know i've how... shut the door on him <laughs> well that's fair but how he put together such a solid cycle with the past year that he's had yeah i mean the kids the work no he had a great race we will dive into that at some point maybe it will be after his next race and that's going to lead to mm-hmm. one of our topics for tonight he is racing kiowa marathon later in december and we're going to touch on a topic we have not discussed before that is some keys to effectively racing two marathons on a quick turnaround. 
It is not something I generally recommend, yeah. but in certain situations it can work. And so we will maybe give you some hints uh, that could help you navigate that experience as well if you have that plan for this fall or sometime in your future. Before we go to that, Phil, let's talk training. Yeah. Our last week, we now sit at under six weeks out from feeling? our showdown. I feel good. Do you want me to go first sure. this time? Uh, this was uh, my highest mileage week of the training block. Nice. It was, I believe, in the last seven days, mm-hmm. 114 miles. Ooh. I will not go higher. I might mm-hmm. go to something around that again, but that was my big boy so far. Two quality sessions. It just kind of lined up on, you know, I'm not normally on seven-day weeks here with my training, but it lined up that I had two quality sessions and a long run. Uh, So we did early in the week some three-minute reps at about an average of 10K pace with some hills at the end of it. The end of week session was alternations. One of my favorite alternation sessions is a four-mile continuous alternating a K on and then floating to the next mile marker nice short jog break and then repeat so eight miles of total work so two by four miles in this case the on segments in the first four mile block were around averaged about half marathon in the second block they were a little faster more like 15k and then the floats were just a few seconds slower than marathon pace nice so basically like four by k Half pace, mm-hmm. recovering at marathon pace for then, a couple minutes. Yeah, and yeah. Four by k at fifteen k. Yep. Hour race pace or so. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Had a long run of uh, just a touch under twenty three miles in two and a half hours yesterday. That was a steady progressive run, just gently progressing until started to ratchet up a little bit more, probably around mile eighteen or nineteen. Some of that was coming back downhill into town, brought it down to marathon pace actually a little bit faster than and held there till the 22 mile mark and then just jogged around nice. two and a half hours to cool it off. So, uh, so long run wise, well, you kind of cap your long runs. I'm, 23 miles sounds like a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, it's two and a half hours. Yeah, that's will right. You, will you kind of cap your long runs there? or Yeah, two and a half hours will be my longest of long runs. I'll, I'll do that distance one more time. I did close to that distance once a couple weeks ago as mm-hmm. well. And then consistently, there's somewhere in the 18 to 20 mile range yeah. happening throughout the block. Uh, then that was filled in with a lot of doubles, easy doubles. Uh, doubled every day except for the long run day last week. And all those easy second runs were right around 35 minutes. Nice. They were slow too. Yeah. but and perhaps to your race pace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, perhaps the most encouraging product of the week though was how I felt on those doubles. There just weren't any of them where I was really dragging and didn't want to get back out. They, nice. they felt strong. Yeah. Uh, so nice and easy on those. And then some really easy miles in between, but you know, a lot of it was 65 or 70 minutes in the morning and 35 ish minutes in the afternoon. Nice. You know, those, those workouts and that long run for uh, 114 in seven. I will be in between now in our marathon running a half marathon. I don't perceive it as an attack on a personal best time. Mm-hmm. However, uh, 
I'm going to try to give the best effort I have on somewhat tired legs and, and get a good workout session nice. out of it. So nice. a couple of weeks away from that. Now, with that race, will you use that as any kind of benchmark in terms of, I know you probably have some ideas in terms of what you're trying to run, mm. but based on how you how you race, will you use, use that to benchmark or recalibrate what you're looking to do? Yeah, that's a, CIM. that's a good question, Phil, because my first instinct to that is probably no, and that I've been doing some longer tempos and longer broken tempos that I've found good rhythm that makes me feel pretty confident in, in a rough guess of what my marathon effort is, because yeah. I've, I've been running sessions like three by three miles with a short float in between, or five by two miles with a float in between. Uh, a few, what I perceive as probably a few seconds per mile faster than marathon okay. pace. And I suspect I'll probably go into this half marathon and try to open at marathon pace will okay. be the way I'll attack this. And, and my, that might even be like the first 5K, let's say, mm-hmm. and then just race hard for 10 miles, nice. um, try to be progressive. The only way I would change that and, and reconsider what the goal might be is if it went really, really well in the half marathon uh, yeah. and it was way better than I expected. If it if it's a little slower than I think, I'm just going to look at it as, hey, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Running this in the middle of a marathon block on tired legs, you know, doing solid a bunch of miles. Yeah. If it goes really, really well, then maybe I think to myself, ah, that it's possible I could run a little bit faster than I had anticipated. Yeah. But generally, we have this already mapped out through December what the workout sessions and the goal paces are going to look like. Yeah. Well, with your mileage and kind of your experience, I'm guessing that in terms of what you're looking at to run, you, you probably have that pretty well calibrated versus somebody that you know hasn't done a marathon or is relatively new that really is hunting for where they should be targeting yeah. And what their race pace is. Uh, now, I haven't run one this year. I did not run one last fall. So it's been a little while. And, yeah. and it, it is kind of hard to be certain of how much you've improved over that amount of time or if you have improved mm-hmm. over that amount of time. But I, I'm trying to let the entire body of work dictate what we do on race day yeah. rather than just one race on, on the build up. Oh, I predict suffering. <laughs> yeah, well, we can guarantee at some point that will happen. How about your last week, Phil? Yeah, so this week's kind of been trying to get back on track. And really, to, to go back a couple weeks, last Sunday, I did Swim Run North Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. which was an absolute blast. But coming off of that, this was kind of a, a regrouping week. Give a little bit of background. It was about 17 miles of trail running and interspersed with about two miles worth of swimming. The running, we did it in, in, it was a team event, so I did it with a buddy of mine. So you're kind of pacing off each other, kind of getting a feel for who's strong where, who needs you to back off where. So it wasn't necessarily a full-out race effort, but regardless, it was five hours on my feet. And a good bit of that running, well, all the running was on trails, which absolutely beautiful. Cool. Um, but a lot of technical, steep stuff, too, so... Good many sections where you're just hiking. Um, I saw the uh, the elevation profile. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was steep. Yeah, there's some good climbing. Uh, and the other aspect of it was about halfway through, I took a pretty nasty little tumble and smacked my knee on a rock. So the knee's been a little bit sore this week, so it's kind of been letting that heal and mend. Yeah. But that, what a fun event. Cool. It was kind of a, a crossover between like a Xterra Triathlon, an Ultra Run, but just a fun fun day out in the woods. Yeah. Uh, so if you like open Can't water swimming, like trail running, that it was a fun time. So coming off of that Monday, excuse me, coming off of that race on Sunday, 
Uh, I took Monday off, which was much needed. It was good to sleep in, good to thaw out. Yeah. The water was cold up there. I bet it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think the final the final section was a river swim, uh, about a kilometer downriver. The water temp was like 56 oh, or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> so Monday had the day off. Tuesday, uh, the plan was for an hour, just easy, which I got in. First, it felt pretty good. The legs enjoyed the day off, and the first two miles were moving along pretty well. And then after that, just that deep fatigue where it's like, ah, it's like I'm just still yeah. you know, recovering. And as well, the knee was still pretty stiff and sore. Uh, it felt okay running, but you know, afterwards and anytime it's been in like a certain position, it just gets a little bit stiff. So I ended up taking Wednesday off again because it's part of where I whacked it. it you know, there's a nice little gash too, so I wasn't sure like what is like joint related versus what's just the skin healing. Yeah. Um, so I took Wednesday off Thursday was supposed to be a workout, which I was really looking forward to doing, but I got out moving and the knee was just really still stiff and tight. So I bagged it and just did an easy 30 minutes and finally decided that it was time to actually do something active to get the knee feeling better in terms of actually trying to rehab it a little bit, which has been responding pretty well to. Still a little bit tight, but I'm confident that we can continue going forward at this point. Friday was just an easy 45 minutes. Yeah. Up, up we'll, Harris Mountain. we'll come back to that. <laughs> and then Saturday was an easy hour, each day feeling better and better. And then yesterday was supposed to be two and a half hours, but ended up calling it at two, uh, which I felt good with that effort. You know, it wasn't anything special pace wise, just comfortable. But I felt confident that I could have gone another two hours and not totally. You know, drain myself. Another half hour. Excuse not me. Yes, another, another two half hours. hour. No, I would yeah. not want another two hours. So it, that two hour mark, I was pleasantly tired. The knee was a little bit more sore, but I felt like 30 more minutes would have been manageable. But just for the sake of being conservative and with an effort that long, I think we're going to push that to this weekend. Mm-hmm. So in all, I think low 40 miles or so for the week. Uh, so reasonably happy. Injury levels have come back from that race, and now it's time to keep moving forward. Yeah, so three points on your week, Phil. Uh, one is, I think you made a good decision yesterday, being cautious. We'd much rather get two good hours in than mm-hmm. if uh, you're starting to feel a little nervous about how that knee is holding up and pushing it too far. Going over that extra 1% yeah. over the edge is is the worst decision we can make. So it was probably a safe choice. We do have to recalibrate our understanding of what easy means. Yeah. <laughs> the I took it easy up a mountain discussion <laughs> from Friday. It's a it's a great point for for the listeners to try to apply to their own situations because we get in difficult positions in training when we one start to lose discipline and focus. Mm-hmm. And so that was 100% what that was. It was. <laughs> and two, try to serve more than one master. Yeah. We have to remember what's the goal, what's the intent. Mm. If this marathon in six weeks is the focus, we can't just say that the, um, the amount of elevation, uh, get first gain, then loss that you had over that 45 minutes can ever really constitute an easy day. Right. It, it's, it's just not. Right. It's something entirely different. And we've discussed this topic on here before, the joy that can come with that run. And that has its own place, but its place is probably not as 45 minutes easy as we're recovering from an injury. Now to the swim run event on my third point from your week. 
we calculated that in as a training mechanism from early on when this first was broached as a way to get a long run, a lot of right. time on feet, a lot of aerobic work when you add in the swimming. Uh, so if you're doing something like this in your training, make sure the position is appropriate relative to your other racing. You were seven weeks out from your biggest race. You, you were, what, three out yeah. from a, a Another a, big effort. A, a trail race that you have it shut in. Uh, so it was appropriately positioned and it was understood what the goals were mm-hmm. there. So just keep those things in mind as well. Happy to hear you are feeling better. And I think we are in a place of time for good focus yep. for the coming weeks as we really get ready for race time. Right, the last final weeks. Uh, let's uh, go ahead to that transition of racing a first marathon, then coming back in the same season and racing a second. So, as I mentioned, Cosmo is racing Kiowa on a nine-week turnaround off of Chicago. Not too bad. I did it on eight weeks a few years ago. It's the only time I've ever done a quick mm-hmm. turnaround. Uh, Kira D'Amato was just added to the New York City <laughs> field, that. right? <laughs> so that means we'll see her at World Champs, Berlin, and New York mm-hmm. in the time of July to November. Yeah. Four 12, months. Yeah, yeah, 12, 16 weeks. Yeah. And uh, she ran something this past spring as well, right? Well, she ran Houston. Ah, okay. For the that was her American record yeah. at the time was at Houston. Yeah, so that's four. So that was early. So four in the year. Yeah, one of the most successful recent examples I think of is Stephanie Bruce. It would have been 2018. She really struggled at New York and then came back four weeks later and finished second at CIM. It was also U.S. Championships that year. So second at a U.S. Championships race in a PR time four weeks later. That's a pretty impressive turnaround, especially to go from a real swing of the pendulum of the first being such a disappointment and the second being such a success. Because typically when you try to do these turnarounds, just because the first one didn't work out, it doesn't mean the second one's going to be better. The exceptions to when it makes sense to me can be if something more fluky happens the first time, like you just get sick, you're really fit. You can take the Galen Rupp example, Boston 2018, where that weather was so nasty. Mm -hmm. And then he came back, I believe it was six weeks later to win Prague Mm -hmm. and run 207-ish. Yeah, ran real solid there. Yeah. So, you know, he dipped out at like 20 miles at Boston to save himself for that situation. You could also talk about doing it one or both of the races as efforts where you're sharing them with someone else, having fun and experience. experience. Yeah. That's Cosmo's example here. Let's look at some key training principles if you are going to go for it. Number one, most important to me, is recovery after the first race. Don't immediately try to get right back into the training and think, oh, shoot, I'm, I didn't get the race I wanted. Now I got to keep building. Well, and that seems to be one of the bigger issues that runners face, just making sure you're fully recovered before you jump back into the next cycle, whether that's you know a marathon or even a 10K, that runners are often guilty of trying to take that next step before they fully recover from the previous race. So taking the time to absorb the stress that that event caused before you get into your next cycle. Yeah, I have a friend, I'm not going to call him out here, 
publicly, but he ran a marathon a week ago. Faded, decent fade at the end. It was his first debut mm-hmm. marathon. And he ran a good time, had a good race, but his wheels kind of started to fall off their last six-ish miles. He's run every day since. <laughs> he was out for seven miles the very next day. Oh my he's run every day since, and he's now headed into 5K training. Yeah. The good news is he's training for something different. I like that change of pace. We'll talk more about that. But there was no recovery period. Yeah. Even an experienced marathoner likely needs at least a week off yeah. if we're going to try to do this back-to-back thing. I would then recommend following that with a period of easy running or easy running alternated with cross training. Mm-hmm. That might be another 7, 10, 14 days, depending on your situation, how much time you have. In Cosmo's case, this is what we're doing. He took a full week or so off. Uh, he asked me on day three if he could run again, and I told him no. no. Then he's moved into a period of some swimming, some weights, that kind of stuff. And now today he's back out two weeks after yeah. the, the race at Chicago into more regular regular run training. So the second key to me is shifting the stimulus. You just did a big marathon block. You probably did a significant amount of race specific work. I recommend focusing on a different skill. So for example, 10K work Mm -hmm. so that you are sharpening something that you maybe haven't touched in a little while. Well, it's probably been dull just from that that big of an effort at that first marathon. That's right. And you're staying mentally fresh Mm -hmm. by doing this. I found a ton of value in this in my eight-week turnaround a few years ago. Essentially, all my work that I did in between the two marathons when I did workouts, and there weren't a ton of them, but the workouts I did were all in like 10 to 15K pace. Nice. Yeah. It just, it was something I had not done in a while. And I'm, I have marathon strength. You still have that base in your legs. And what is more of a marathon-specific long run than a marathon? Right. Like, (laughs) do I really need to come back out a week later and do a marathon-specific long run? No. So you're you're getting sharp and you're staying fresh to the point of what my long runs look like. Then my third piece here would be keep running long, but make it less specific and less frequent. Mm We are threading the needle and trying not to overtrain here. That should be the biggest focus is not overdoing it. And so if you are somewhere in like six to nine weeks, maybe there's two to three long runs. I don't know that you need to do any marathon specific pace work in those long runs. The bigger concern is just injury. So yes. Yeah. And the aerobic development, the cardiovascular development, the points you made in terms of shifting the stimulus and not really needing the marathon-specific long runs are huge. But I think as well, number one, making sure you've taken enough time off to where, you know, of course, mentally you're refreshed, where you take that week off, maybe even a couple more days, but you wait until you know mentally you're itching to get back out there. Mm-hmm. Not because you have something to prove, but because you feel refreshed and you feel energized and then wait another day or two. Taking that time kind of allows those soft tissues to heal from that that impact that you've experienced, allowing you to handle the load of another six weeks worth of of training. My two other points here are less about the tactics of the training and more about the decision-making processes. The first of those is don't make an immediate decision to do a second marathon just because the first one went poorly. 
Give yourself time to process. Mm -hmm. Don't allow, in this case, what could be an, a poor decision made because it's an emotional decision. Make sure you're in an emotionally healthy place when you decide to do the second one, especially if you haven't already signed up and thought this out right. beforehand. In the case when I did it, I knew going into that fall, I was going to have two of these. One, because I had a race I wanted to go do and a place in the country I wanted to see. And the second, because I had friends going to a race mm -hmm. that I thought would be fun. And I actually tried to attack both as PR races. Uh, I ran fairly similar times yeah. in the two. The second one was like 30 seconds faster. I was going to say, what, like 30, 35 seconds yeah, different when yeah. you did that? Another thing would be just be careful in knowing that for every Yuki or even a Sarah Hall mm -hmm. who races long distances a lot, there's 10 examples for each of those of really good to great marathoners who are doing at most two marathons per right. year. We can look back at the greats of an uh, of a different era. Let's go back 50 years to those guys who so often just were grinding and putting in races all the time. And we look up to them and the, uh, they didn't burn out and they just kept racing. But how long were they at their peak? Mm -hmm. and, um, Frank Shorter, he was fairly young on... Given the modern understanding, when guys right. are like Kipchoge close to 40 like running their best old, races, race. I mean, Salazar by his mid-20s had run all of his best races. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend in general trying to do this. However, if you're going to do it, follow these points and make sure you have an appropriate mental outlook on what the goals are when you're getting into this block. Yep. Because you can do it right but you got to focus on enjoying it. You have to do the things to keep yourself healthy and a big focus on maintaining fitness you already had rather than trying to gain a bunch of new fitness. Instead, we're just sharpening different skills. Well, I think the, the biggest point is why are you looking to do this? If it's because of an experience and, and doing something with friends or because, you know, the weather or an illness gave a performance that you weren't hoping for, or is it because you were frustrated with the initial race and you're trying to prove yeah. something to redemption yourself. yeah yeah and if you if you're trying to prove something in general that's not a that's good not place to work. be working from yep. yeah this saturday october 29th is marathon morning in the upstate oh, sphinx marathon greenville here the uh the biggest marathon in the upstate you know we have never had a course preview strategy episode. It's a new and, course this year. And as it often is, <laughs> that's part of the reason we haven't done this. Uh -huh. However, we've been asked, and I know a good number of people who listen locally in the upstate area will be out running it's one of the one, events, yeah. 5K, 10K, half, and marathon. You're largely sharing the same course for, course for portions of it. And with several thousand runners out, we thought it might be helpful in particular to focus in on the marathon with a new course, a lot of the running on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. The race starts early. This mm -hmm. is an important point. You will need to provide some light yes. because the, the sun is not doing it for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have paced this race a number of times in the past. And if you're at the faster end of this race, you may be upwards of 10 miles into this race mm -hmm. before you have sunlight. So just be aware. Well, and it was, I'm sure you've been on that part of the trail when it's dark, but you know, at an easy, you know, easy day pace, when that section is dark... You can get an idea of where the edges of the trail yeah. are and where you're heading, but 
Now, if you're hammering at race pace, I would make sure you have something you can see because you don't want to step off on one of those edges. Yeah, it's the first couple miles with the new lighting through Unity Park and all that area. There, there's going to be some lights, but then you're going to get out of town mm-hmm. and you're going to get into the darkness. Yeah. And just be aware. Assume that you need to bring either maybe it's a little flashlight that you can throw away or a headlamp that you want to have with you. But good news is with the new course, you're not making a bunch of turns. Right. You know, we've gotten to the point before where like, we've been out at campus at Furman and making Winding turns around. in the dark. Yeah. And that can be more challenging. Let's break down some segments of the course. Yep. Okay. Uh, so the, the race begins at floor field at the baseball stadium and drops down Main Street to the trail. It is incredibly important to stay under control on that first <laughs> long downhill. That first section will be quick. It's going to feel so easy. It is. You're running downhill for like uh-huh. half a mile or more. You're going to feel much different when you're coming back up that hill. That's right. Settle in on that downhill in the flat and not overdo it. And at around the five mile mark is in that area is one of the first checkpoints mm-hmm. in this race to me because from there through around mile eight, you have a steady, gradual uphill on the trail. Nothing is severe. It doesn't look like it, but when you look at your splits, yes. they're going to be, what would you say, 10 seconds well, per mile? Well, you've actually, let me take a step back and describe that section a little yep. bit more. I think it's the most challenging portion of this course. It's that mile or so as you pass campus at Furman mm-hmm. on your way out. As part of a larger three-ish mile stretch from around five to eight, where it's mostly either some flats or uphills. And I recommend concentrating on effort here Mm -hmm. over pace and making sure to me, especially given how early this is in the race, that you're running slower than your goal race pace here. Now, to your point on how much slower it is, you run that segment a lot, given your work at Furman. You run yeah. it as much as anyone. What do you see as the difference between uphill and downhill here? Because you are going to come back down this yeah. eventually. How much so, per mile do you think it's different? I have a guess. Specifically, that segment there around mile eight. So where you cross over Duncan Chapel Road, up, you're traveling along past Furman, and then you hit the overpass there at Highway 25. That's, that's about, about a mile, the, mile yes, and, and that's the eight mile yep. mark is right about there. So you'll pass Furman Campus uh, will be on mm-hmm. your right. So the difference, like we'll do re- mile repeat workouts up there where you're running uphill one direction, downhill the other. And it's about 15 seconds. That was my guess. On either end. Yeah. Hey, if you're running 15 seconds slower than goal pace, you're probably at about goal you're effort okay. right here. So just be aware of yeah. that. Uh, so I consider the bridge then when you go under the mm-hmm. I-25 bridge around mile eight, that is the next checkpoint. Yep. And I would then break the course. That's about a 10 mile chunk to me until you get back to uh-huh. that point. I'd agree. And that is just a lot of gentle rollers on the trail through Traveler's Rest. Because this is an, a rail trail, so much of it is really gradual mm-hmm. inclines and declines. So they can be somewhat long, but they're never steep. You're going to have the rollers as well around mm-hmm. Traveler's Rest. In this portion of the course, my focus is on rhythm. Now, that's what I would want to be telling myself. Maintain a marathon rhythm through these slight ups and downs. 
And I would want to be in a pace band that is near your race goal pace during this section, but know that that will ebb and flow as you go up and down. It could be a few seconds faster. It could be a few seconds slower. It's part of why I wouldn't be checking my watch a ton here, but the overall 10-mile chunk from 8 to 18, I'm probably getting somewhere close to my marathon goal pace if I'm running this well. What? I think from a mindset perspective, too, that's really the place to settle in and concentrate because you've kind of come through the half marathon runners. It'll be on the course. Mm-hmm. It's less of a specific just straight down the trail. There's some turns there. It's pretty straightforward. But mm-hmm. uh, and like you said, there's some different changes in elevation, rolling hills. And you're kind of hitting that point in the race where you should be comfortably tired. But yeah, you should feel like you have a good bit of gas left. I have several athletes that I have spoken to that we are working with who will be out on the course, and and I've maybe broken this a little bit more specifically for them. But for the general audience, I would simply say, like, mile one to eight, you're probably running a little slower than your goal. Eight to 18, you're probably near your goal. Mm -hmm. And 18 on should be a little faster than your goal pace. That's basically the strategy here. Uh, So once you hit that bridge again, you're going to come up the opposite hill now, and you're going to go under the I-25 bridge. You're around the 18-mile mark, and you are now coming back downhill. You're going to get the fastest section of the course, just the reverse of what we were just talking about, coming back past Furman. But remember... You still have a decent amount of time to Uh go here. So uh, the next seven-ish miles are either downhill or either downhill or flat. Uh, We don't want to press too early because there's still eight miles or so of of race to go. But it's a great time to to check the system gauges Mm -hmm. and really take a full scan of the body. And if you feel great, perhaps you're starting to progress. If you feel okay, if the effort seems right, I think naturally by staying at that effort... On this section of the course, you probably gain a little Mm -hmm. bit of time back. So you might speed up a little here while maintaining effort. It's okay to be running under goal pace now, especially in that reverse three-mile stretch from like Furman down toward Blue Ridge Highway, the, the main road crossing there. But to me, it's absolutely too early to just... Full gas to the floor. Full on. Yeah. No, I think this is the section where you kind of reassess where you're at from a fatigue perspective. Mm-hmm. And that if you're feeling good, you know, you should be a little bit quicker than your goal pace. But that if you're, you got down over your head for the first, first part of the race, maybe it's time to back off and regroup a little bit and allow that, that gentle downhill to let you recover a little bit, but kind of recalibrate what your expectation is for the rest of the race. Yeah. The final mile or so is... Oh, miserable. It's... <laughs> it's not bad. Phil, you're so encouraging. <laughs> you know what? If these people have trained and prepared adequately, yes, it will still be miserable. <laughs> However, they'll be running fast. That's true. It will be the Greg LeMond theory of it doesn't get any easier, you we just, just get faster. faster, right? That is the uphill assault on the baseball stadium with a repeat of the Main Street Hill, but now... It's feeling a whole lot different Mm -hmm. because you are coming back up the hill. I'd say it's about all the effort you can muster at that point. Your mind is focused on repeating positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. Physically holding together good mechanics is a... To me, that's a huge one. To concentrate on your running form and your posture and to make sure that you're 
not staying tight, but staying smooth. Yes. Um, because it's hard when you that last mile or so you're pushing, but you're tired. Everything's kind of feeling like the wheels are going to come off. You will get re-energized though once you turn off main and you make the turn into the baseball stadium because yep. you're going to have some crowd there. You're going to come into the stadium. You can see the finish line. You, I think it's around the warning track uh-huh. still. And that is a fun, faster finish. Yep. It, and at that point, it's anything goes. What do you got left? Celebrate. Dig as deep <laughs> as you can. Uh, it's too bad former Spinks champion Cosmo is not with us to relive his great oh. glory there. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is Saturday morning, October 29th this week. What's the weather look like? I haven't checked the forecast. Yeah, it, it suggests a slight warming trend from where we've been. So it's been pretty cool here lately. We might have a slightly warmer day. And that's an important piece, Phil, because it's not going to be a hot mm-hmm. morning. And, you know, we're starting very early. But it will be slightly more mild than some of the colder mornings we've yeah. seen. Uh, so be prepared for that, in particularly the half marathon and the marathon. We had also planned to preview the New York City Marathon, but let's save that, Phil. Oh, we will do I've a. I've been waiting. A, I'm excited about this race. I am too. The American fields are oh, fantastic. fantastic. So we will do that at the beginning of next week because that race is two weeks away. Let me do a little bit of foreshadowing here. There's good news. It's on ESPN. Oh. Phil doesn't have to worry about getting a Flow Track <laughs> subscription for this. Also, he, you know, the, even when the race is on Peacock, he just refuses to watch anyway. He's got more important <laughs> things to do. But I got training to do. It'll be on ESPN. Yeah, theoretically. <laughs> ESPN 2. So that'll be great. Everybody can watch. That's right. The Deuce in two weeks. So we'll come back at you on mile 133 with a preview of the very deep fields for the New York City Marathon, both men and women. Some of the Best Americans and best from around the world. Former champions back too. That's right. We'll be across the five boroughs Mm -hmm. of New York City. We will also do a shoe review on the Asics Nova Blast 3. I've been putting mileage in. You've been in that shoe for, well, not just the 3, but the previous version. Yes, this is the new one. Much anticipated. It's been in the shoe of the year discussion. I'll give my opinion on if it is deserving of... The hype. So we'll do that next time on mile 133. Everybody have a wonderful week of training. Hey, Winston, before we go, is the trick or treat happening this week for the young pup or oh, is that next week? Next Monday. Next Monday. Oh, so we. Night. Oh, wait. Well, I guess we're not going to be recording <laughs> next Monday. <laughs> That's right. We're going to postpone a day. You just forgot your child. Is That's going right. To... Do we have a costume planned? Oh, she is going to be Belle. I meant you. Oh, yes. Okay. I, ha- what, and I have a onesie. It looks quite comfortable. Oh, a onesie. Is I it, like it. Is it a dinosaur or a dragon? Uh, One of the two. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be... The I ladies of the neighborhood will be going wild. <laughs> I look forward to it. Okay, so we will catch up on all things Halloween, preview the New York City Marathon, talk about the Asics Nova Blast 3. Next time here on Mile 133, we will see you then have a fantastic week.